Thank you so much, Miss Margie. Go ahead and take your copy of the God's Word and turn to the 23rd Psalm. The 23rd Psalm. Psalm 23. Over the next few weeks, we have about four or five uh, Sunday nights that we're going to be together until the end of the year. Now, we have a lot of things in December. You know, we'll have caroling one night. We have M3 one night with our kids. Uh, so there are a lot of different things that we're going to be doing. So I've kind of charted this out. Uh, to be honest with you, I could probably use it for the next six or seven Sunday nights. I could take this chapter and, and break it down a little more. But, but I want to I use this scripture for us over the next few Sunday nights. Uh, it, obviously, the 23rd Psalm is one of the most beloved texts, beloved scriptures that we've heard. Many of us memorized it when we were growing up. We've heard it used in the church life, maybe for a Sunday morning message, but we've also heard it uh, read during funeral services. We've heard it spoken maybe uh, in times of crisis or trial, maybe even a hospital. Maybe by a hospital bed, this scripture has been read. And it has touched so many people. And it is one of the most encouraging words that God has given us. It, it really is. Every time I read it, it's just like God renews me again and reminds me. Because even though many of us have heard it, many of us have maybe even taught it or spoke it, there's still something that is refreshing about the 23rd Psalm. There's still something that's renewing about it. And I hope over the next few weeks we can dive into it and, and maybe be refreshed, be renewed. I, I hope I always challenge folks when I speak about this text, I always challenge folks to hear it anew and afresh. You know, not like we've heard it, just, just that God would just say, that we would just say to him, God, give us a new word. God, give us a new respect. Give us a new perspective over this 23rd Psalm. So I want to read it through. And then I want to come back and I'm going to focus just on that first phrase, the Lord is my shepherd. That's all we're going to do tonight. But I think it is going to be very significant for our lives. So let's begin the 23rd Psalm. This is a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in the green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Such a small piece of scripture. And yet such a significant portion of scripture. The Lord is my shepherd. Now we are told this is a psalm of David. And when you read through the psalms and you see these titles, we understand that that is part of the text, okay? Usually we start our uh, verses like here, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. But technically, a psalm of David should be included in that first verse because it reminds us that this is David's testimony. I've often said that the psalms are so personal to us because they are testimonials. It's like somebody will get up and say, hey, I want to share with you uh, 
uh, what God is doing in my life or maybe what, who God is in my life. It's, it's a testimonial. You've been through some testimonial services, right? You've had moments where maybe the preacher for some reason or the other said, hey, we're just going to, tonight to share maybe blessings that you've had in your life or some testimony that you've had in your life. When I was growing up, Brother Holland often on a Sunday night, I don't know if he just took an extra nap on Sunday afternoon and didn't get all of his message together or what it was, but he, always, he would always come on Sunday night and he would say often, uh, let's, let's have a testimonial service. People just stand and give their testimony, and, and people would. And they would share different things. It would be very personal things about their lives. And before it was over, most of the congregation, we were like in tears. You know what I'm talking about? Because that personal connection, that personal story somehow touched us. Well, I want you to hear this. That when you look at the Psalms, you're not looking at some type of mechanical, uh, removed language that's been used. This is the language of testimony. This is the language of David himself. This is a Psalm of David. David has experienced this. And it's like he is standing among the congregation saying, let me just declare this to you. The Lord is my shepherd. That phrase powerful. The Lord. Look at it in your English text. Lord. All caps, right? When you look at it, you'll see that every letter is capitalized. That means it speaks of Yahweh God. There were a couple of different terms that were used for Lord in the Old Testament. Yahweh, which was the covenant God of Israel, and Adonai. You've probably heard of that. That would be more like sir or some master, perhaps. This is Yahweh, the Lord, the covenant name of God. This is, this is the name God gave to Moses. Remember, God said, Moses, I want you to go to Egypt. I want you to go back. I want you to lead my people out. And, of course, you know, Moses had a lot of excuses, but one of the things that he said to God was, God, I don't even really know who you are. I don't know your name. What if they ask me your name? And there, that day in that burning bush, really, as God had demonstrated his presence to Moses, what did God say? He said, I am that I am. You tell them that I am sent you. You tell them that it was the one that will cause to be what will cause to be. It's Yahweh. Because when you look at that Hebrew, the, the four consonants make up that title, Yahweh. And again, it means I am that I am. Or I will cause to be what I will cause to be. And it became the covenant name for Israel. It was associated with the people of God. In other words, this was their God. He was distinct from all other gods. He was the God of Israel. He was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was Yahweh. There was no other like him. And here David brings us this title, this name, Yahweh, the Lord. We're not talking about some other deity out there. We're not talking about some type of pagan religion. We're talking about the covenant God, the God that spoke to Moses and the God that had called the people of Israel. He said, this is the God I'm talking about. You know, Yahweh, the one who created everything. The one who is above and beyond. 
He said, I am speaking about him, the Lord. And then look how he connects this. The Lord, the great one, the covenant God, the Lord is my shepherd. All of a sudden, he takes this term that reflects the sovereignty, that reflects the majesty of God, and he puts it in those personal terms of my shepherd. Because see, all of a sudden, he, he can use this analogy to speak of his relationship. I am grateful that we have a God that is above and beyond our thoughts and imaginations. I am. I, I was sitting with some uh, younger folks the other day, and we were talking a little bit about God and the complexity, and we talked about the Trinity and all of those kinds of things. And uh, I admit it, it's hard to get your mind wrapped around Him. But I reminded them that I am grateful I have a God that I can't wrap my mind around. That he is so much bigger and better. I, I am proud. I, I think if I could ever figure him out, he would be a less than God. Right? Because he is so majestic and he is so sovereign that he is so much above our thoughts. And above our reasoning. That is who we serve. I'm proud of that. But I'm also grateful that I can call him my shepherd. That yes, he is great, but he is also good. And he is good in his relationship to me. This is an intimate picture here of shepherd. There are several times in the Psalms that you will see the idea of king, the idea of deliverer. Maybe they might use an inanimate object like rock or fortress or shield to describe God. So there are several times like this. But here, this is pretty personal, right? This is not just the king that's out there. This is not just some rock or shield. Those are important analogies as well. But in this case, he is like my shepherd. That means there is intimacy. There is relationship. And David can understand this analogy so well. Because the great warrior and the great king had begun Leadership 101 where? In a field taking care of sheep how did he get to this kingship he got there as the Lord taught him what shepherding was about so he understood he could take the analogy like he used what he knew in order to be able to talk about his relationship with God right it's like a testimony again that he is able to stand and say hey I, I this is the God that I serve, and he is like my shepherd. Now, I know what a shepherd is. Think about some analogies you might use of God to speak of the intimacy. Obviously, for me, I would think of a pastor. You know, like God is my pastor, that the Lord is my pastor. In the New Testament, the word for shepherd and the word for pastor, the same. Poimane. I was looking it up in John chapter 10, where Jesus said that he was the good shepherd, right? You might even, and I know you have to follow that analogy, and he is using the sheep shepherd analogy, but it's kind of like he says, I'm the good pastor. So for me, I can take that kind of idea and say, well, I know a little bit about pastoring. I'm learning a lot more, thankfully. But he is my pastor. 
It's like being able to take it and internalize it and make it personal. And maybe there's some analogies you have that you could say, yeah, he, he's like my coach. He's like my teacher. He's like, and you could, you could bring those to bear. That's what David's doing. David is taking the Lord of heaven and saying, this is how I have come to understand him and see him. He is my shepherd. Coming from my background as a shepherd, I know something about this. And I know how he relates to me. Now there is one word that I always say is transformative in this scripture. That is the word my. It transforms everything in this scripture. That personal pronoun, my. Oh, my can transform a lot of context. Can't it? Let me just stop just a moment and say, take the word grandchild. Add my before that. Does that not transform the situation, the things? How about just child? The word child, when you put my before it, it transforms it. It's amazing. Hey, I didn't set you up, Miss Francis, I promise you, all right? But I was thinking about this earlier. Miss Francis was showing me a picture of her great-grandchild earlier. And, man, she was just beaming. Now, she beams when she gives me ice cream on Wednesday night. I know that. But there was something that was just there, and it should be. She was excited about her great-grandchild because that's she could say, that's my great-grandchild, right? There's something about that. There's something about the word my that will transform things. I had a lady walk out of the sanctuary one Sunday when I was in Zachary, and she had this baby that was there. She was she kind of put the baby out there, and I kind of stepped back a little bit. Uh, I don't hold little babies, all right? I don't know if you've noticed that with baby dedication. I hold my own because if I break them, it's me, all right? But I just don't hold anybody else's, really. I just don't trust myself. But um, she was walking out. She said, isn't this the most beautiful baby you have ever seen? I said, well, I could say maybe the fifth most beautiful baby. And she said, what? I said, I don't know if you know this, but I have four children. So I would say that mine were some of the most beautiful I mean, right? That's the way you're supposed to ask that. Not, I don't think she ever came back to church. I learned, <laughs> I learned something about pastoring that day. But the word my, my wife, or maybe some of you ladies could say my husband. There's something that is there. Is that connection, the personal relationship makes a difference. Don't talk about my wife, right? My church, that's about as bad as talking about my wife. I tell people all the time, I know that there are issues, but don't, I don't want to hear people talking about my church. There's something about the word my that will transform the experience. And there's something that transforms your experience with God when you're able to say, he is my shepherd. He is mine. David understood this personal relationship. Here we are today in our age and time emphasizing the personal relationship that we have with God. We as Baptists, for 
years and years we have emphasized having a personal relationship with Jesus. Never forget all of those Billy Graham presentations and those Billy Graham crusades and those Billy Graham messages that he would bring about personal relationships. But the personal relationship just didn't begin in our age. We certainly, through Jesus Christ, understand the personal relationship better, more fully. But David, hundreds of years before, said, I know that I can have a personal relationship with God. Shouldn't be surprised that one who was after God's own heart would be able to make that kind of statement. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. He had the relationship. He had that personal attachment. John 10, 14. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Think about that just a moment. He said, I am the good shepherd. Oh, I ought to point out here. That phraseology in John, I am, well, I believe that as I read through the Gospel of John, that phraseology points to the deity of Jesus. It reminds us that He is the I am that I am. Remember that we said the Lord, Yahweh? And even those who would hear Him speak, they thought He meant that too. There were times they would even call for some type of action to be taken against him. They might charge him with blasphemy because he would use such an I am statement. And here he is, he's saying, I am. And if you look at the original language, it's like, I myself am. In other words, he was emphasizing it. He was saying, I am Yahweh. I am that I am. And I am the good shepherd. And I know my sheep. Because he's personal. He says, I know my sheep. They're mine. They're mine. Now, I think David understood that too. I, th I think David got to know like um, his sheep. I think he knew his sheep. I, I think he knew them. He could recognize them. Uh, I, I believe that. I, I grew up uh, right next to my grandparents' dairy. And my grandparents were hardworking folks. I, my, my granddaddy stood about like this tall. My granny that I told you about this morning stood about this tall. And they had a little dairy that they would run. They had Jersey cows that they would milk every morning. And you would see them. It was always a touching thing for me watching the two of them. They would go together. And then in the, when they would get through milking, they had like a little cart that they had to pull up the hill. They would put the milk cans in the cart and one would get on one side of the tongue and the other on the other side of the tongue of the wagon and they would pull it up. And they would bring it up and by that time we had gotten kind of fancy. We didn't with the wagons, but we got kind of fancy. We had like this um, big milk tank that they would pour that milk over into. And I would go down and I would sit sometimes with them. I would sit up on the feed sacks. The feed sacks were over on the side of the barn. And I got where I could recognize the cows. Like I knew one cow from the other. I knew there was one cow that'd kind of be gentle and the other cow you better stay away from. 
Even when I'd go fishing over in the pasture, my, parent, my grandparents had a pond back there, and I'd go over, and I knew that I better, like, get away from certain cows. I didn't want to cross their paths because I got to know them, just kind of being around them. You kind of get to know, right? I, I, think, I think David knew his sheep. I think he was a good shepherd. I think he knew his sheep. I don't know. Maybe he named them. Hey, Abraham, get over here. I told you. Isaac. Mm. Joshua, you have been bad. <laughs> Maybe there was a Miriam. A Eve, I, don't know, I think he knew them. I know this. When I read John 10, 14, the good shepherd, Jesus, he knows his sheep. He knows his sheep. He knows us by name. There's something empowering about being known by name, right? When somebody knows your name, I, 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 I kind of preach this and teach this to different ones. Like, I believe you ought to do what you can to learn people's names. Because I think it communicates that you care about them, that you want to know them. And think of this. The good shepherd knows our name. He knows us. By, he knows everything about us. Because he loves us. See, when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, he said, I, I, I know him, but he, he, he knows me too because I'm his sheep. And Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd, and I know my sheep. And Jesus can call us by name. And he knows our good points, and he knows our tough points. And yet he still loves us. He knows us. He cares for us. He loves us so much that according to Luke 15, what does he do when one of us goes, goes astray? He comes after us. Isn't that what Jesus said? Jesus said when one goes astray, he will leave the 90 and 9 to go find the one. Some of us would be like, well, hey, they did, you know, they made their choice, they went away. I still got 99. That's a pretty good percentage. Jesus said, no, I'm going after that one. The one that's lost. Because I love him. I think he knew him by name. He says, I know them. He goes after them. Aren't you grateful that the good shepherd has pursued us relentlessly? Because there are going to be some times, and there are, have been some times, where we've kind of wandered away. We didn't necessarily mean to do it. Sheep are dumb animals. I'll tell you about it more in the next few weeks, but they are dumb animals. And you and I, we can pull some of the dumbest stunts, some of the dumbest things. And we don't necessarily intentionally, but we can get to grazing and look up and we can be totally removed from the rest of the flock. But he still come after us. Because he loves us. Why? Because we're his sheep. He knows us. And we're known. We're known by him. And we know him. Because he is our shepherd. So I just want you to settle in in that. Allow that truth to speak to you tonight. Just in that first phrase. And I know so many of you in here could say the Lord's my shepherd. 
But I pray that tonight you would know him in that intimate, personal, relational way. And that you would take comfort and peace because it all begins here. All the other stuff that we quote and read and all of that, it's all dependent upon the one word, my. All dependent upon that. So before we can get to the still waters and the green pastures and the how, all it's, it's all got to begin with that confession. The Lord is my shepherd. Tonight I hope and pray that you've made that confession. And I hope and pray that you can keep making that confession as he is your shepherd. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for these moments together. And oh, Lord, thank you for loving us enough to allowing us to be a part of your fold. Lord, thank you that we can know you by experience. Thank you that we can hear your voice. Thank you that you love us to pursue us relentlessly when we walk away. Father, tonight, encourage, comfort, and challenge us with that confession. The Lord is my shepherd. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.